I, I remember that day that this concept really, really got instilled that before ascension always comes descension. Ephesians chapter number four. That before there's ever ascension, there will always be dissension. And this ministry right now, because what we are actually going after, the very dwelling place of God, is has come into a dissension um, place. Uh, but, but because the ones of us that stand together through this, we will go through this dissension before this ascension happens. And, um, you know, I told you that story last week of, uh, of uh, you know, Kirk Bennett showing up in the Jordan Crossing 318. And so there's just a deep place right now for us to cross through. And on the other side of this will be a great ascension of, of the Lord and a place for him to dwell. It's, um, it would be uncharacteristic of the Lord not to take us through this moment to prepare us for this outpouring of his spirit that he so promised us. And so I just want to like bless you this morning and for showing up to this kind of event because these events, uh, they have forced us beyond the what, the who, and the why into the very I am. And so everything gets questioned in our life or every decision matrix, everything. And he says, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. I will confidently take refuge. Let me never be put to shame or confusion. Deliver me in your righteousness cause me to escape and bow down your ear to us this morning Lord and save us be to us a rock a refuge listen in which to dwell and a sheltering stronghold to which I may continually resort which you have appointed to save us for you are our rock and you are our fortress Rescue us, O God, out of the hand of the wicked and out of the grasp of the unrighteous and the ruthless man. For you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust. For my youth and the source of my confidence, upon you have I leaned. I relied upon you from the very birth. You're the one who took us up from our mother's womb. And you have been our benefactor from that day. We will continually praise you. I am as a wonder and as a surprise to many. But you are our strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise. And I will honor you all the days of my life. Cast me not off, nor send me away. In the quicken us again and you will bring us up from the depths of the earth increase our greatness and turn and comfort us we will praise you on the harp with truth and faithfulness oh god and we will sing the praises with a lyre oh holy one of israel my lips shall shout for joy when i sing praises to you in my inner being which you have redeemed my tongue shall talk of your righteousness all the day long they will be put to shame and be confounded who seek and demand our hurt. Amen.
heaven and earth Who is like our God Who is like this lion Take my hands I don't want to lead anymore I want to follow Not my will but yours be
breaking off these breaking things. Oh, he rejoices. Oh, he rejoices. Oh, he rejoices over us, over us. Oh, he rejoices. He rejoices over us. Oh, and he rejoices. He rejoices over us. Oh. He's our God Running to his battlements Let him fight for us Let the singers go forth Let the dancers come forth He will fight He's a mighty warrior With the snap of his finger All victories combined Let the singers come forth And use the weapons of their voice the dancers, you the weapons of their arms and legs. Oh, oh, let the prophets come forth and use the weapons of their foretelling. Oh, let our minds come forth and speak the words of God. He's given us weapons, he's given us weapons. Oh, we don't fight like this world. We fight like our father. Oh, if you speak unto this mountain and believe and believe, speak unto the mountain and believe and believe. Oh, speak unto the mountain, this is our weapon, this is our weapon. Oh, you fashioned us, you fashioned each and every one of us as weapons of warfare. Oh, as a weapons of warfare. The singers come forth with praise. Oh God, bring them forth. Let them come, let them come, let them come. Oh, we call forth the prophets. We call forth the evangelists, Lord. We call forth all oh, the dancers and the singers, the musicians. Send them God, send them God, send them God. 
not like this world
chapter 14 verse 7 then they said to the whole community of the Israelites the land we pass through to investigate is exceedingly a good land if the Lord delights in us then he will bring us into this land and he will give it to us this is a land flowing with milk and honey Do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. For they are bread for us. Their protection has turned aside from them. But the Lord is with us. Not fear them. However, the whole community threatened to stone them. But listen to this. The glory of the Lord appeared. Thank you. 
has been with us, Lord. We want to see your glory. We want you to have a place that you can dwell. We know that you don't dwell in temples made with man's hands. We submit ourselves in humility. is a work that we cannot do, but our eyes are on you.
submit all our paradigms to you, Lord, and all our structures, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Send you to the objective. You're great in mercy, Lord. Great in loving kindness. Forgiving a thousand generations that love you. ask you to forgive us, Lord, for boxing you in to our own perceptions and views, our feelings and thoughts about you. You're incomprehensible. But make you but you make yourself known to us.
keep hearing the spirit of the word saying to me that he is satisfied <laughs> amen yeah. wow wow that was remarkable today said a few weeks ago, he said, you know, I'm going to uh, have a triple entendre here. And, you know, I had thought that, you know, so many people struggle with pushing through that first dimensional space with God, much less even when the disciples were there with him at Gethsemane. And he says, can you not watch and pray? You know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And you can feel that um, in in the worship, when when you're coming up against walls and you're you're hitting barriers within yourself, you you feel those barriers, and you feel it literally. You can feel your like your strength, your physical strength can 
even wane. And because the spirit is willing in us, but the flesh is weak. And, um, but then, you know, there's this special people which you are that even on the other side of, and the Holy Spirit is really like this. He brings us to rest. And then I, I believe if I've come to know him any bit, that it's out of rest that he begins to move because in rest is real belief. They said that, Jonathan Edwards said this about the Great Awakening, that the mark of the Great Awakening that happened in the Northeast was that the people would come to a gentle and dove-like spirit, that that was the mark of awakening. It was when the soul went into a repose and a calmness came over the human soul. And out of the awakenings, those people became like that. You know, they weren't overly excitable or moving. You know, there was just this repose. And you know, there's a war. And there's, there's what we're going through in our families. And all of us are facing different circumstances and situations. But there just comes this time. And thank God we all did this together today. But you come through that pressure. You're washing your hands. You're, you're, you're saying, I want to go in. I want to be in your spirit, in your presence. And then, but then there's just still this war until the soul rests. And it, I believe that the, the move of God is contingent on our rest in God. That when we just, there's a belief that is a calmness that doesn't, you know, there's not a lot of movement in yourself. And I believe the Holy Spirit brought us to that um, this morning. I was uh, particularly being, I, when we first started out, and I don't know, I'm sure many of you have seen things today. I, I personally was taken into a vision. I saw the Lord like at transfiguration. And I realized the limitation we had placed on him. And I just began to repent because he's a person. And I saw what Peter was saying about let's build this thing and build this and we could set this thing up and I was like guilt you know I I know I, it's like the mind builds structures yeah. and, and it just does yeah. and temples within the, our own consciousness are being built and I and I just and I knew that even as far as we may go in him that it's still limiting him and and uh, to see him in his, his glorified person in he's shining bright like the sun and I, I, and I knew all of a sudden that I had limited him in a major way. Even in the revelation that we may receive is a limitation on him. And um, I just began to repent and I feel this light come into my own being. And, um, and I don't eat light very well because it just feels like you're just, it's like you're choking in water or something. I don't know how to explain it, but it's, when light begins to come into your being and it's a new uh, revelation or mindset of him. Um, and then uh, he, was, he was particularly highlighting, and I withheld all this so it didn't throw us into our mind, but uh, I did at the end, but Isaiah 42. And, and uh, interestingly enough, Stephen is basically singing uh, singing the songs that are directly correlating with Isaiah 42. But in reverse, we're going backwards in Isaiah 42. It was interesting um, to me. And I, I wanted to just say this one thing uh, that he brought out. 
Um, let me let's see where it is here. This, in, in verse 14, I have been inactive for a long time. And I have kept quiet and held back. Um, like a woman in labor, I groan and I pant and I gasp. I will make the trees on the mountains and hills to wither up. And I will dry up all their vegetation. And I will turn streams into islands and draw, dry up pools of water. And I will lead the blind along an unfamiliar way. And this is this ministry. It, it, this ministry, we do not know what we're doing. The only thing we know is to worship Him. But we don't have. We don't even know from day to day how to go forward. I, I tell you of a truth. There's no way to really know, except to worship the Lord and find out what He's saying out of another dimension. We do not know what we're doing. Uh, but actually, that was the way this ministry was qualified. Uh, it was disqualified until that admittance came. And so I just admit it. And it's, it's actually easier to say we don't know what way we're going. It's unfamiliar to us. And I knew today that we took new ground because the Spirit of the Lord shared that with me before we came in here to rest on us. He said, I will guide them down paths. And if some of you read the emails I've been sending out, it's called Path of 82. Okay? It, it, um there's a path of God. Jeremiah 6.16 talks about the ancient, what, path. He said, learn this ancient path. And it was the path that Jesus took. It's the path that Job talked about. It's the path the apostolic band was on. It's the path of the Lord. But this path, no man can know it, it, know it out of his own intellect or our feeling, emotions. They will not direct us. You you and I can only take this path by faith. And you can only really access the path by worshiping Him in His presence and moving into a, a new dimensional space where He communes with you. There's no way to know. He said, this is a path that you've never traveled. We're, we're all on a path that we've never traveled. What will happen and what we're doing is historic because it's never happened. You're making history because... This path has never been trod yet. Everything we're doing is never been traveled. And so there's a sense of being uncomfortable that goes with that. Um, and he says, and Stephen began seeing this, and I'm literally looking at this. I will turn the darkness in front of them into light. And so when you get into that dark place and you can't see, you must worship. And that's what we do. We press in and we move into another space by, how, you know, by worshiping Him. And then the light begins to illuminate us. Otherwise, we would have no cognition of anything. We would know nothing. Um, it's called going blank slate. We, know, we admit that we know nothing, and we bring nothing to the table with the Lord. That's called humility. And then he says, I'll level out your rough ground, and this is what I'll do for them. And then Stephen was singing this about being forsook. He said, I will not abandon you. Because that is one of the emotions that you deal with 
Listen, I, I, I got to tell you this because one of the emotions that you will deal with in settings like this is that you've been forsook. And what it does is it makes you not want to sign up for it again. I'm, I'm, you know, it's a miracle that we're all here because to sign up for, I don't, I feel high and dry is not a normal human desire. People don't like that. They like to have their security and their things in order. And nobody likes to sign up again and again for, I don't know if I feel forsook, but does it mean that you are? But when that emotion comes on you, don't draw back, go in, okay? Press into the Lord. And if, if you leave these events and you feel that come on you, continue to worship the Lord and keep going back to him again and again and again. There are things happening in your life that will give an appearance of making you feel being forsook. There are some legitimate reasons I mean, things that are happening in your life that maybe you feel that way about. Like maybe you have a relationship with somebody and they often you. Maybe, you, maybe you, some of you have a financial issue and you don't know how you're going to make ends meet. Maybe some of you have been dealing with health-related issues and, and you don't know how you're going to make it. And so this is a real human um, emotion. But you and I can't run off our emotions and our thoughts. We... The Lord made us to worship him, so you move through that until that's not the where you're at. You worship him until that's not your space anymore. And you may be dealing with this during the week. I know I do. I haven't got this. The, it, my life is created in such a way as so is yours. It, I have to go worship him to get out of my other thought or my emotion. It's... It, God made us dependent. So if something is um, bringing that kind of pressure around you, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's your trajectory into him. See, it is an open door for you. Sometimes we're trying to get something secure that God himself is not wanting to secure. Sometimes chaos is around you to draw you into true order. And what you perceive as chaos may be God working in your life to place you into his life and presence. So sometimes we're fighting something that we shouldn't be and we need to just press into worship and then let the Lord sort it out for you. Uh, that's what Israel was running into in Numbers 14, which I brought up at the end. They saw that the giants were too big for them. Their comprehension of the land was this is outside of us. We can't do that. And but there were two guys that said, we, yes, yes, with him we can, because what is it? Their perception was that while we don't know how we'll take out the giants, we know that we don't know what to do, but he will for us. David had a heart like that because he had worshiped the Lord so many times that he knew that he could do something he, that David himself could not do for himself. And the Lord will actually put up things in your life and challenges like that to get you to move into a new dimensional space with him, okay? And so don't draw back. I've been praying for you because some of you come up to um, places in your life and I can feel some of those. Uh, I pray for you. When you feel that thing that tries to throw you either into 
isolation, aloneness, because of the hurt. And that's where a lot of people go into discouragement and isolation. Some people go into the other side of things like, I'll show you and I'll get it done. That's the other side. So many people, because of the boomer generation, was so hurt from that that they normally say, that can't be right because if their daddies did that, they say, I'm not doing that. But they go into isolationism. And what I want to share with you is if that thing is happening to you, the Lord will not abandon you. He, he will not leave you. He's bringing you into a new uh, hope, a new reality, and a place you've never been in your own life and your own transformation. It's something you've never known. And don't be afraid. Some of you are at the edges of real breakthrough in your life. I mean, and at every breakthrough, there's a legal issue and a liberal issue. At every breakthrough, don't be afraid to go through. Go through by the blood of Jesus. He'll make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. No matter what everything's telling you, okay? This is it. Encourage you. And again, thank you for showing up to partner with this together because this is something the Lord, He wants the congregation of the Lord, all of us to do this together. It, it, it just can't be with Him. When He gathered 120 right in the upper room, He gathered a congregation. Part of what you were feeling at that when the sweet presence of the Lord happened right there, that was Him. Obviously, all of you know that. And he's drawing us into deeper repentance and just a deeper love. Just know Him that He'd take care of us. All right. All right. Let's, um, let's take up our offerings this morning. If you give through PayPal, it's info at org. If you make a check, it's omz. And just thank you all for giving and being faithful and giving and the blessing uh, over this place. And I just ask you, Holy Spirit, even now, Lord, and as we give of our resources, Lord, and just are a blessing to your kingdom, give us the wisdom with finance, business, creativity in this room. Pray you would open up all kinds of doors and avenues, Lord, for, and access points for all of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Bless you as you give. Wave the banner of grace On the sunrises of mercy you
stand together, turn to Luke chapter 4, verse 9, and we will read through verse uh, 13. Luke chapter 4, verse 9, then the devil brought him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple, and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And with their hands, they will lift you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is said, you are not to put the Lord your God to the test. So when the devil had completed every temptation, he departed from him until a more opportune time. Let's pray together. Jesus, we come to you for understanding of your word this morning pray, Lord, that you would bring the reality of your 
spirit to us, Lord, to open up our eyes and our ears to hear what you are saying to us from your text. Bring your anointing, Lord, for to preach this word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, as I was sharing with you last week, and just to recap a little bit, in Jesus' temptation narrative, one of the one of the things that's being um, that's being brought into question by him in all three cases is uh, Jesus's sonship. And one of the points that we were making, or that I was making with you, and is that after this great revelation came into his life at the Jordan, uh, when he was there, and he'll be baptized by John. <clears throat> And you see in that picture, and we see this in Matthew, Matthew 3.17, that you'll see the Father speak out of heaven and declare that this is my beloved Son and whom I'm well pleased. And in that moment, in that transition of that baptism, you'll find the Holy Spirit lighting on him like as unto a dove. And coming down on him, he will be empowered by the Spirit. It's important for us to understand that that revelation of sonship that is a deep longing of the human heart to be known. I mean, you think about your own life. What if, what if a voice literally in the heavens, the Father... He says, this is Tom Gross. He's my beloved son. He's the one I am pleased with. He's not just any son. He has the highest level of affection that could be given by me. He's my beloved. And we, we were all standing, sitting here and a voice declared His Sonship in front of all of us. And not just the Father gave His full affirmation of Tom, but then all of a sudden, a dove flies in and sits down on Him. And at that moment, He is given the Spirit of God without measure. He, he has the full measure of God invested into Him. Not a limitation of God, but all that God has for a human being was just invested into Tom. I'm sure that many of us in here would go around telling people you can't believe what happened in the service today with Tom Gross. The, the Father declared him as his son from the heavens. And the Holy Spirit has given him the full measure of himself. That's a pretty big affirmation, if you please. That's remarkable.
Jesus, that's his experience. Um, this last week, Rafi Assad sent me uh, something about the Jordan because at, at the crossing of the Jordan, and I didn't know this, but Hebraically, the Jordan means to descend. It, it means to go low. It, it's, it, even, even Mount Hermon, I think, is 9,232 feet above sea level, empties into the Dead Sea, which I believe is 1,300 feet below sea level. And in this space is the Jordan uh, uh, River, is one of, geographically, one of the lowest uh, places besides the Dead Sea on earth. And the Sea of Galilee is literally... I believe if I read this right, it's the lowest spot on the whole entire earth as far as the sea is related. And, and, it, and in this place where Jesus will be baptized by a man who is literally inferior to him, even though John is, has the Holy Spirit from birth, is inferior to him. Even Jesus will say the greatest uh, uh, prophet born among women is John. And Jesus will say, you know, you must baptize me so that all righteousness may be fulfilled. And listen, listen, because hear, hear, hear what is going on here. The most humbling, the most humble God the most meek God is being baptized by a man who is flawed by sin. He's not there to bring out the show. He's not showing up to be the show. His soul is truly humble. His soul is truly meek. He's completely dependent on the Father, and he's completely, when you give him power... He's completely restrained in his power, which is meekness. I believe the greater the affirmation is from heaven, the affirmation from heaven and the power of the Holy Spirit on the earth is a, a function of humility and meekness. I, I believe for many of us that we are going through this process with God, and He said, "Will you walk in full dependency with Me?" And um, and I, that's not an easy thing to do. Let me just say, to just be like, "Okay, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to make it today, but I trust you." That 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 framing is what Jesus was walking in, but not just the humility, but He also was walking in. If you unload me with power, I will not even use it. So when Jesus has favor, he still waits on the Father and does not even act. Even though favor is completely invested in him. He says, I do what? Nothing. I do nothing except what I see my Father doing. And so I would say proportionately... The more affirmation you have from the heavens and as it coincides into the earth realm, in this you see the Trinitarian doctrine of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the greater expression 
is contingent on the very nature of Christ. Again, humility and meekness. Now, what, what blows me away about that, I mean, that's, that in and of itself is just profound. Listen, everybody in this room, you desire this more than you desire anything else if you're true to yourself. You desire, and I desire, to be known by Him. Uh, one of the greatest things that ever happens in your life is when the Lord sets up double proof or triple proof encounters in your life and lets you know that He knows you because He does something you can't do. That You'll live for those if you get hooked up on them. You don't know what you're doing. Next thing you know, the Holy Spirit drops a couple of double proof or triple proof encounters in your life. And you say, oh, that's him. That's what's happening with the Lord here. Faith is the title deed hoped for. It's the objective proof of an unseen reality. Jesus has the double proof in himself. The proof of the Father and the proof of the Spirit. And that is what brings heaven to earth. Let me say this another way. Your vertical expression in God, the more that vertical expression is intact, the greater your horizontal expression will be. Everything that I believe that is, and this is why this temptation is actually necessary. Jesus is doing this for us. This isn't necessarily what he needs because he's without sin. He's modeling something for us that's going to happen to us. I've watched this in ministry now for 11 years. Every time we come to a, we'll come to the end of a great expression of God, there's tests that come right after that. We've been experiencing that in this ministry for three weeks now. And I, I just thought it was sort of apropos that the, te the text itself is saying this to us, that when you come to a new condition of faith in God, in your development with Him, then comes another set of trials. Because they're going to try to prove that the very word that God has invested in you is not true. And it's going to try to get you to move out of your position in Christ. And Jesus is modeling this for us not that he needs to, but he's for himself, but for us. That's why we read this temptation narrative. <clears throat> let, me, let me read this to you because, thank you, Holy Spirit. In Galatians, chapter number 4. Now I mean that an heir, as long as he is a minor, is no different from a slave, though he be the owner of everything. But he's under guardians and managers until the date that is set by his father. Um, so also we, when we were under minors... Excuse me, we were minors, not underminers, but minors. Not M-I-N-E-R-S, but O-R-S. 
We're enslaved under the basic forces of the world. But when the appropriate time had come, um, last week I mentioned this book on Sabbath by Abraham Heskel, right? Notice what it says that when the appropriate time had come. Let me read this to you again in relationship to time. Technical civilization is man's conquest of space. It is a triumph frequently achieved by sacrificing an essential ingredient of existence, namely time. Listen now, like put this together with me, when the appropriate time had come. Not the conquering of a space, but time. It says that when the appropriate time had come, God sent out his son. This world is after conquering space. It, uh, that's Most technology is geared around how we can get into a new space or how we can find a space or fix a space. I mean, haven't most people been concerned with space? I don't mean just outer space, but I mean the space of our lives. But it's interesting because sonship is related to time. I gave you that story last week about Kara and I at the throne room before time actually began. And uh, you can hear that if you want to hear last week's sermon in the, in our podcast that Henry puts together for us. But I'm not going to go through that again. But he says to enhance our power in the world of space has become our main objective. Yet to have more does not mean to be more. Have y'all noticed that? Have you noticed when you get something new, it doesn't necessarily solve your sense of being more? They get, have you ever got a new car and, you know, you thought, well, this will be great, but then, you know, three or four weeks later, it doesn't really seem to mean anything to you anymore or a home or new clothing or, right? Because it, to have more doesn't necessarily make you more. Why? Because God made this in such a way that at the appropriate time, he would intervene uh, our sonship. And, and this is going to go along with today's te uh, text I'm reading to you. He said, so if we recognize to have more does not necessarily make us mean more, then why do we give ourselves to that objective of space? When our sonship is based in time. Every time you come to this event, and the Lord said, don't call them meetings, call them events. I know why now. Because he's saying, I want to intervene out, out, of, out of time, into time, to us. Yeah, um, the power we attain in the world of space termi terminates abruptly at the borderline of time. But time is, time is the heart of existence. That's why we're in the why am I? Why am I? You'll deal with some of that here. If you can deal with it. <laughs> because
Because the intervention of God is coming into time, into a place to say that gaining control of the world by space is not to be the primary orientation of the task of our life. And yet the world is on tilt doing this. And so we, we, you need to hear this, I need to hear this. They say they won't believe unless a preacher told them, you know, we need a preacher. <laughs> I, I need a preacher. <laughs> Always like this every week because I don't know what I'm going to preach either. So I'm like, I get fed myself because I didn't prepare because I'm waiting in time for God to intervene into the text. There is a, there's a realm of time where the goal is not to have, but to be. This is what Haskell says, and I want to take it even beyond being into, to deal with the why, to find the light of the glorious gospel in the face of Jesus Christ in the I am. So not the what, not the who, and not the why, but I am. I bet this is not practical preaching, okay? I'm not giving you three points and a hymn and then we're going to, right? I'm going to give you three ways to rule your life. It's not, that's not what's going on here. I, I guess you know that. It, this isn't like holiness steps five, five steps to holiness. That's not what's happening here. This is to get an awareness. This is to get an awareness of our relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit and say, why maybe am I concerning myself with the acquisition of space and letting that be my sole concern? Because listen, uh, and Heskell says this, power, if, if, if you've ever been impoverished, if any of you have ever dealt with poverty, it, it, it threatens you. And it's, it's degrading. But he also says that just the fact of having more power isn't necessarily a degradation either. It, it is as well. I've been with some wealthy uh, folks, and they're trying to keep up with everything they have. Some of them don't know how to streamline all their processes. I'm like, you need to get rid of all that stuff. Get this thing down to simplicity. Because you're complicating your life just because you have all those resources doesn't mean... Like, get the complications out of your life trying to protect all your wealth all the time. Give away a bunch of stuff you need to, but get the thing, just a few things you don't need a lot to live. I'm not saying that we don't have a work that comes from God. What I am saying is that our sonship in the Father is primary and our work is secondary. And we can't know what to do if we're not related to him through time. Um, you know, they asked the Lord, they said, Lord, give us the definition of work. I believe it's in John 6. You know what he said when he gave them the definition of work? This is really interesting because if you've ever taken any, any classes on, you know, seminary or excuse me, in school, and you've done economics and, you've, you know, you've done all this. It's really interesting what God calls work. He, he said, this is the work I have for you. 
believe on the one whom he has sent. <laughs> I, I love that. I just, because I was struggling with it myself. I was like, God's definition of work is believe on the one whom he has sent. So in the, back to Galatians 4, what does the Lord do? But when the appropriate time had come, God sent out his son, uh, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law so that they may be adopted as sons unto full privilege so that you can come to full right, uh, full inheritance. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of the son into our hearts who calls out, Abba, Father. So, so, so your slavery is over with. Listen, if you occupy your life based in space all, all week, and it's not flowing out of your sonship with the father, and that sonship is a gender neutral term, okay? In some way, you're enslaving yourself to an ideology or a function of life that may not be the one the Lord has for you. The, the, here's the trade-off, though. If you, if you don't do that, then you've got, to allow, you've got to allow someone else to define you. And if someone else defines your life for you and are the author of your life, then you... You have to let them be in charge. And if they're in charge, they may be after a different objective than you are. They may be after their relationship with you. But listen, there's this lie, and I, I want to clearly say this, because many people that give themselves over into this and say, okay... I'm going to listen to you, preacher. I'll give myself to time instead of space, primarily. I'll put time before space instead of space before time. I'll give myself to this. And here's the big lie. I, I got to tell you what happens. I'll let him begin to define my life, but he's not going to take care of me. Now, why do you think that Jesus' first temptation is he's hungry? Because the first thing that's going on is you're not going to have provision. You're not going to be taken care of. If you go on the path of sonship, if, if you listen to this guy, you listen to God's word. Don't listen to me, but listen to God's word. If you do that, your provision is not going to be there for you. And, and here's what happens. I, I can tell you this of a surety because when God called Kara and I into this 17 years ago, the provision did dry up. With Abraham, as soon as he gets called into sonship, he hits a famine. Because this is the way of the father. Know his ways. He's interested in restoring your sonship back to himself. He's interested in the relationship. God's a benefactor. He's not into mechanical trust relationship. What do I mean by that? He wants to give you his nature and his inheritance. The Lord wants to give you 
take away your sin and give you his reward. He doesn't want to just... See, some people, they have a high sin consciousness and they say, oh, God's just after my sin. Well, he is. He, he wants to give you a consciousness free from sin, but he wants to give you his reward too. And this is where faith has to come in because you have to believe that when you're in a place where things are tight. You have to say, I know he'll take care of me. I know he'll take care of our families. I know he'll provide. Jesus had the power to turn a stone into bread. Who wouldn't do that? If you were hungry and your family was hungry and you had that power. You know, people would do it left and right because like, it's sort of like a superhero. Boom, make me some bread. It takes great restraint. And I, and I believe that the Lord is modeling this for us that I, I want you to realize that man doesn't live by what? That's your finances, guys. Man doesn't live on that. Man lives by the word of God. He's reorienting their mindset. Literally, there's like, it's amazing how you could take scripture and, and your relationship with the Father and it'll lead you down these paths and there's no way you can make it out. And next thing you know, you have the bread that you need, but you're in this relationship with the Father. It's profound. I'm glad not to be a preacher. I'm not preaching something I have to walk out. I, I would hate to be that guy. But I, I can tell you of a truth. The Lord will meet you. I mean, when you're pressed all the way out and you're like, I'm standing on your word, Lord. And then there is no way it's going to work out. And he'll show up every single time. If you'll, Karen and I got to the point where we're like, hold the line, hold the line, hold the line. And he'll show up and people you don't know and all kinds of things. And there he'll be. Trust him. Jesus demonstrates that to us. He's in, in the temptation. Uh, I trust you with my bread. Well, the temptation narrative gets even more. And we looked at it last week. He wants to steal your worship. He wants you to get your mind on some kind of thing, some kind of object that sits in the what dimension and get you focused on what. And if you're not focused on the what and the, some people, they don't have the struggle, even people with wealth or non-wealth, I've watched this, they don't get struggle with what. Some, they struggle with the who. They're dealing with their own sense of uh, self inside or some are dealing with the why, but he's being tested when the what, the who, and the why are all being placed in front of you. I'm not going to objectify any of those. I'm going to go worship. Listen, we don't, we don't realize how much we do this. I, that's why I'm repenting for this morning. I, we don't know how much we're objectifying the things in our world around us. How we've committed idolatry or even adultery of heart. We, we got to be real about this. He said the Lord is the one. You, you shall only worship him. What we did this morning together corporately, that's worship. You can do that at 
home or at your job or on the road. You can worship Him in caves, cathedrals, closets. Uh, you, you can go anywhere and worship the Lord. But you have to be intentional about that. I, I see that in Pete's teaching this right now. There's an intentionality in worship. Don't kid yourself. Don't think that you don't need to set your heart to seek Him. You must. You, you, you have to. It's not works that you do this, but there is, a, there is a seeking of the Lord that is necessary. There is a, I'm stopping what I'm doing. I need you, Lord. Most people, they get put in a really bad place before they do that, right? But he said, you'll worship the Lord uh, and serve only him. So when he attacks our sonship, he attacks it by provision. Next, he attacks it by worship. He wants us to get focused on other things, other people, even ideas, or even the why of our own existence. Now we're at today, he brings him to a, a high place. It's insane. I mean, I mean, it's insanity to think that the enemy would try to tempt the Lord with basically committing suicide. Um, I, a number of years ago, I had, well, it was actually Kurt Bennett. He, he came up and he said to me, it was 12 years ago. He said, uh, I can tell that You've been processed through insanity. There's a place, and some of you have been through this because you've been in the depths of darkness with God and you've been into some tough places. But there, there's a place, and I, and I think Jesus really understands this, but there's a place even in the human mind where you can just like teeter on the edge of Such darkness and such pressure can come on you that you that, that people can make really bad decisions in those moments. I, in the last few years, even before Collider started, I had probably 20, 25 events of that come on me. I've never experienced anything like that. There are demonic attacks. But I, I, I saw myself taking my own life numerous times. I don't say that like just... That's some kind of bland thing. It terrified me. It was like a real temptation. And I, I don't know if, if any of you have ever dealt with that temptation, but there, there's, there's a place, and in the middle of those temptations, I, I really discovered what Judas's problem was. Judas, he wanted to make a big difference in this world. I, I found out that Judas Iscariot from Kiroth Jerem, what his name means. Do you know what his name means? His name meant the man who wants to champion a cause in a city to bring fire to men's heads. That's what Judas Iscariot from Kiroth Jerem means. And man, I had like all these fingers pointing at me like this. 
And I said, I'm that man. And he said, yes, you are. The Lord, and I, and I thought, my life is nothing now. He said he wanted to take the place of Holy Spirit. Judas did. You know, because that's going to happen at Pentecost. He wanted to be worshipped. Judas did. He, he said, okay, you're a Judean king. I'm a Judean. I want to set up myself a throne here and be worshipped. He, he was desiring worship. And when everything came crumbling down and he, he betrayed the Lord, what did he do? He went out and hung himself. He saw a high mountain. He saw a place to ascend to where he could be just as like God. He saw the heights of what God was about. Most people, I don't know if everybody ever gets to this kind of place, but if you really get to know the Lord, you see he's in charge of everything and he's all powerful. And then you're like, I'd like to get a part of that. And we don't even realize, I didn't even know. I mean, I, I wept. I got on my bed and sobbed like a baby. Repentance just coursing over my whole person. I was like, no different. The Judas nature was sitting right there in my soul. I, I admit it now because it's good to be free. But it was right there all alone. Looking for a high mountain. I, I'll... Um, I know that his angelic host, because you get to know the angelic host, you get to know all this. You go on with God. I've seen Michael the archangel. I've been in the second heavens. I've seen demons get cast down out of the heavens over Europe. I mean, right before Brexit. Stephen and I was in a prayer meeting doing that. (laughs) Right before Brexit happened. I don't know if you even know that, but it's... Angel, angel's up there, and the Lord's like, pray, pray, praying, and next thing you know, you watch this big demon get knocked down over Europe, and and the Lord's like, you'll see this in the news, and I, and I did, I was like, oh my God, what are we doing? What kind of ministry is this? This stuff is real. It isn't, heaven is real. <laughs> but he says, he says, um, you could just throw yourself off here in front of the Lord and everybody. And uh, he says, he'll charge his angels concerning you to protect you. He, Lucifer, Satan, he's always taking things out of context. Any text is a pretext without a context, folks. You need a context of, you need a, a broader context to view things in. If you don't have one, you can get lost in the middle of what you think is in the moment. Let's all stand together. This is, I, I know this isn't practical, okay? It's not meant to be. It's not pragmatic either. It's not meant to be. This message is to bring us into an awareness. 
It's no small thing to be a part of the God class. Hey, it's no small thing to be the sons and daughters of God. This is no small thing that we're dealing with here. This is, this is revolutionary. We were created in His likeness and image. You are the sons and daughters of not just a king, the king. You, you are the royal family. What's about to happen is the biggest showdown on the face of the planet. The sons and daughters of God are about to be glorified. Who God is, the Son is about to set His feet down on this planet and every knee, every, is going to bow, every tongue's going to confess, He's the Lord. And th- this will be in like five seconds in, your, in time. This is happening. This is the end of the age. We're coming up to the end of this course of series of life. Thank God He sent the crown reaper to expose the hearts of man and the, the ideology of man. Thank God He sent in a crown because He's a monarch. A monarch is coming. We must prepare our hearts for Him. Lucifer fell with the same thing. He fell. He fell because he wanted to make himself more than the Lord. He wanted to make himself who was created like the Creator. Listen, today, if I, if I was to just give a thrust of this, give yourself to the timing of the Lord and not concern yourself with space. Number two, worship Him. Worship the Lord. Hey, I know that it's 118. I know. I know. I know that kids are moving around in here right now. I know. I'm not unaware. I know that our families, that we have things that we have to get done. I know that. But I know that in this opportune time, in this event, that God can communicate God to us. And then in that moment of time, we can be transferred in from and changed. I know that too. And I know that we've given ourselves to so many other things of space that it's okay sometimes even in for me to break a boundary even within you that I would give myself and you would give ourselves to a time. A time when God would intervene into the course and life of men and woman and make a change among our families that would be worth it. Yeah, and and that we can become aware just one more time that today I will be marked by this. Lord, you will provide from my sonship with you. Number two, Lord, I will worship you and worship you only.
And then number three, no matter the greatness of my calling or the anointing that sits in my life here among all of you, I will not move out in presumption and put the Lord to the test. I will wait on Him because we believe what Scripture says that God works mightily to act on behalf of those who wait on Him. Today, I'll be marked by humility and meekness. That just because I have the power to act doesn't mean I should. Just because something's been given to me doesn't mean I should utilize it. That I need wisdom today from you that comes out of spending time with you. And that when we leave this place, that the first objective of our mind will not switch back to space. But will be ever in a present reality realizing that you're the God that comes out of time into time. And that we'll let you define our spaces. And we'll let you decide. Yeah, we agree. For some of us in this room, the real thing is, is that we need to turn into the thing that we keep resisting. It's the thing that looks like it's taking us off track, but it may be the track that he's taking us on. It may be the very thing that looks like it's not utilitarian. I I found that our father is very frivolous. He's not just always frugal. One time he told me I'm a frivolous, frolicking father. He's different. He loves to give, John 3.16. He's benevolent. He's very kind. He's very merciful. He's very loving. He's also just. All right. Y'all made some good agreements in your heart this morning. So let's just come forward for communion.
said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Bless you today. Jason Mercury and 